Okay, I'm here to remind everybody, I shared this, um, I think in my Facebook group, but Katie Gutierrez of Biographical Design is hosting another three-day retreat from July 10th till 12th. Um, and it's the same three-day course that I took and I rant, I, not ranted, I raved about a while back. Um, so the course, because she's got three courses, this particular course that's on uh, July 10th to 12th is the uh, Business of Design course. And it's, um, it actually looks like it's evolved too. When I read through kind of what you're gonna learn, it looks like she's even uh, blown it up to even more. What I took away on those three days, first of all, I should remind everybody that I went in very skeptical. I went in with a very low bar. I went in assuming that I wouldn't get much value from it because as a former you know, director of marketing, I totally understand a lot of the fundamentals that a lot of um, business coaches are teaching in kind of this space because I know that a lot of, a lot of this is very entry level for designers who might not know it. So I was very nervous <laughs> that I wouldn't get much value, but that it was not the case. Number one, Katie's energy, Katie's style is like nothing I've ever seen. So it's not just the information that's being delivered, but she just has a way about her that is very special. She is, to me, she's like, um, your personal coach, like she, she's not just a coach and she's, she's like somebody who can unlock you. And that's what she's doing for me. And I don't want to get too deep into it because I might cry because I get emotional. <laughs> but anyways, um, so number one, it's, it's Katie. Uh, it's rare after, you know, I've talked, I've counted over 55 designers that I hear somebody, you know, present ideas in a very different way. Uh, talk about uh, mindset stuff or business stuff in a way that I've never heard before. And um, the first day we, I'm going on memory, but the first day we talked a lot about uh, getting to know ourselves and trying to dig into our um, our story, kind of like our origin story was what she called it, and trying to be able to identify you know, whether there's something there. And for me, I knew that there was, I had already identified that art was kind of a thing that wasn't like somehow going to be infused. But after a couple years of not being able to figure out how to identify that, I was able to, over the period of the three days, really come, I'll share it with you. So I've created now, my philosophy and system is called curated design. My method my system for working with clients and getting to that end result in phase one the design phase is called the art method this was all basically something that and there's obviously way more to it than that um which i'm going to share a little more i'm going to be doing a promo video as well um which i'm excited to to do over the next little while i'm still working my way through it but these were all things that i was able to Put together and lay the foundation for in the three days and as far as I'm concerned that alone is what is going to level me up and I already see it happening it's I, I at my core believe that once you can clearly come up with something that really resonates with you is in alignment with you I've talked a lot about alignment lately uh, we all need to stop listening to what other people are telling us we should and shouldn't do, which is Katie that helped me understand that it's not about how something should be done, but how, what is best for, for you to do um, based on your own strengths, which everybody, every single person listening to this, 
um, has different values than me, has different bills they need to pay than me, has different priorities than me, has different things that fuel them um, than me. So it's not, nothing is a one size fits all. And I think it's so important for us to know that. And what I love about uh, the three days that I spent with Katie was that it wasn't about her telling us what to do, but showing us how she does things and helping us, helping unlock us and as far as like what that could look like for us. So after the three days, um, you know, I learned the seven steps to a, a sales pitch and, you know, a sales conversation, a sales meeting, which I've started implementing. Um, it's tough. It's a work in progress. It's undoing certain um things that I've been doing for so long that I'm still working on. But part of that is having translated my differentiating factor, which I just shared with you into a sales deck. I've never done that, never had a sales deck in the four plus years I've been in business. And it has made quite, it has made a massive difference in my ability to go and meet with a client and feel confident in the numbers I'm spouting at them. So that to me is amazing. Uh, after the three days, uh, she shared with us that she was launching an ongoing coaching um, support group. That sounded a bit like weird, but a coaching group. And every single one of us that was in the three days with her joined. And so now every two weeks, we are in a, an hour and a half meeting. And I'm going to start sharing in my Facebook group what each of those meetings or sessions are and what I'm getting out of them because every single time it's crazy. Uh, I've learned a lot about some of the things that I need to work on, particularly self-worth is a big one that's really been made obvious to me. And I think that working in such a silo for so long, um, it's been really easy to just push it aside. But now that I'm like in this interactive group with other designers and we're talking, we're being forced, not forced, but we're being encouraged to talk about certain things and where we're struggling. And it's really helping shine a light on some of the things I need to work on. And I think that that's going to be massive. So I will again remind you that I am an affiliate of this course and I think that by now hopefully you know it's been almost two years since I've been doing this podcast I have been approached by brands to be um, to sponsor and to be an affiliate of and been able to be an affiliate of um, but I have not felt as passionately as I do about Katie and um, what she's doing for me uh, and I hope that you know that it's because I at my core, I believe this is inc an incredible course and an, inc and an incredible woman to help get me to the next level. So I keep think I keep feeling like the universe definitely brought her to me. Um, you can listen to the podcast that I had with her, which was two episodes ago, where I share how kind of we I even met her. And I feel like it was definitely the universe. Anyways, if you want to learn more, you can go to biographicaldesign.com. And if you're on the fence, you can A, feel free to DM me. I would be happy to get on a call and talk to you about what my experience was like um, because I get it. This is the type of thing I need in order to make a decision of this size. Um, number two, you can also schedule a call with Katie herself. She's, she's taking the time to talk to people for 45, up to 45 minutes and um, you can get a feel for her firsthand and you can talk to her about anything that you're struggling with, like whether or not it's the right fit for you and she can help you figure that out. So there you go. And with that all said... Here's the episode. This is a conversation I had a little while ago during COVID um, in a Facebook Live with Sasha from ID8 Studio. She has been 
on the pod a couple of times already, and we just kind of have a candid conversation. I hope you enjoy. You're literally designing from afar, right? And uh, well, and you're communicating from a distance as well. So I think that's that to me would be difficult, uh, a difficult business model. So I I agree. I think um, I I also respect people who can design that way. I'm just very hands on and obsessive about like yeah. color, like and my ability and my and I think like my confidence and my ability to to just make a decision without truly seeing it all together. So I find that I personally also find that really hard. Um, So are you, have you at all considered whether or not you're going to offer any other types of services if you have to during this time, or are you just not kind of at the point where that's a thing that you need to think about? Yeah, I don't, I think I thought about that. And I said to myself, you know, I can't just change my business model overnight, even though people are pivoting, as they're saying, you know, people are pivoting to different things. I think I'm making myself more accessible online, but I don't think I can start offering e-design as an option. It just doesn't work for me, for my personality, and also to provide best results because I really, really do need to see the space. I, I just can't do it any other way. So that that's difficult. Um, I'm actually facing a pretty challenging moment the, uh, right now with a client where, you know, we would usually go to their home a few times, sit down and talk, get to know each other before diving into the design process. But we've had to do that. I've had to do that. Um, you know, the whole start of the design and it and it just didn't work. Like. I, I can't understand the client's aesthetic. Um, we've gone through multiple rounds at this stage and we're just stuck. So we're on pause. And um, so that's been, you know, that's a real, that's a real life challenge for a project like this, because I guess that that initial period of really getting to know each other, we uh, lost out on that, I think. Yeah. And okay, I'm just going to put it, uh, Beth, are you thumbs up being saying it's better? Because I did hit a button that said something about canceling out uh, echoing. Apparently, uh, you were echoing. Um, but she's since thumbs up because I think I fixed it. So she's going to let us know if that's the case. Um, okay. You know, what's interesting is I feel like you and I, the last time we talked, we, we touched on, it was either the last time we talked or the time before that. I can't remember anymore. But where we talked about like certain decisions we make for our business that help us sleep at night or so on and so forth. And um, I talked about this on today's podcast, but I, um, I did a course last week, a three-day course with a business coach, like interior design. Um, the company's called Arez Design mm-hmm. and the coaching platform community is called uh, um biographical design community and um Crispin who may or may not have popped in here at one point in time is the one who kind of introduced me to uh who this these designers were but I didn't know she was doing I don't think she was doing business coaching at the time so I invited her on my podcast but Mm -hmm. her philosophy in the three days of us talking it was very much about uh making decisions in your business that are in alignment for you which was very much kind of what you just talked about with regards to e-design mm-hmm. is clearly not something that's in alignment for you. And I think it's just like so important for us to, to reflect on that for ourselves and not do what people are saying you should do, 
the right way to do things or you should offer this. But, um, and I feel like that's something you probably connect with a lot as well, right? Just Yeah, I think, I think, I, I, you know, I really thought about all of this when it first, you know, the whole Corona situation came out in a big way and everyone was like, okay, now what? We're screwed. You know, interior design industry is screwed. Construction is at a halt. What are we all going to do? We're all going to be broke. And I think that at that moment, I thought to myself, you know, this has happened before. This isn't the first time we're facing a recession or a slowdown. This isn't going to be the last time. But of course, we have to be flexible as business owners. But you do have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Because if you start doing things that really don't align with your brand or with the way you work, um, chances are it's going to completely fail. And you're, you know, at the end of the day, your reputation is going to suffer. So I think... I think that's what it I think that that's what it boils down to is really deciding what you can and can't do. And if you can just ride the wave at the moment um, and just sort of say, okay, I have what I have, I'm gonna stick to my guns and see what happens. I think I I do feel, and that's something I wanted to talk about today, is that you know how like we go into people's homes and you're trying to convince them that if you do this or if you do that, you're gonna have a better lifestyle, you're gonna have a better outcome. Guess what? We don't have to do that anymore. They live, they li- they're living in their homes for extended periods of time where the home is working, you know, on all aspects, on, on, all, on all fronts, you know, like 300%. There isn't time, you're not leaving home at 8.30 in the morning and coming back at 6 p.m. with one spouse potentially working from home. The house is literally working on all engines going 24-7. So no longer do we have to go into a client's home and say, you know, or convince people what design does for you. Oh my God, that's such an, that is such a beautiful way to look at that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope so. I think, I think that people will realize the value because I think that's what I'm trying to say is that there's always this question of value. Like, what is the value that design brings to our life? Good design, right? What is yeah. the value an interior designer brings to our life? So I don't, I don't think there's going to be a question around that anymore. I think a well-functioning home will, will be a well-functioning home during these periods and a, a home that doesn't function as well will be soon realized, literally within days, forget about weeks. You know? Oh my God, and it's almost like a gift that we've been given to yeah. help us articulate that when we're on the other side of this and we are working with clients one-on-one again. You know, remember when you were home during the pandemic yeah. and this wasn't working, that wasn't working, whatever whatever it was. Yeah. I, excuse me, I really, really like that. I hadn't considered that actually. And I think that's really, really smart. And I guess yeah. I think too, when you have kids, which I don't, you mm-hmm. feel it on another level. Yeah, you feel it on many levels, I think, <laughs> for sure. But um, I think, yeah, so because I think more more so than ever, um, not only are the clients sort of realizing all of this, as a designer, I'm realizing the importance of certain spaces over others. Like, you know, for instance, uh, I'm sitting in our home office right now, and the home office is one room. Now, we're having this chat, and my husband is usually on conference calls all day himself, so he's been booted out of here for this call, but 
he literally has to take it from another space in the house where the kids could potentially you know fly in there any moment asking him to do something for them or open yeah. a snack box or whatever like some random question but see so that's what i'm realizing is that there are spaces that really work and then there are spaces that don't work even in my own home which never had to do so before but we're living in new times now and i think just trying to come up with ideas and on on how that's going to work long term you know even the kids have to have a home workstation for instance pretty much for all day because they're homeschooling not not for like oh 30 minutes or an hour in the evening because they're little but like literally hours in the morning you know so yeah. i think that realization is also coming in but i think that um you know preparation for when this time is over i think it's going to be crucial for a lot of interior designers because our our businesses are uh, multifold you know we we're doing administration work we're doing uh, contracts legal aspects we're doing design we're doing business development we're doing client management we're doing project management and in order for all those areas of our our businesses to thrive and actually function in an organized manner we need to put them in we need to get them organized you know yes. we need to have our bookkeeping and accounting figured out we need to have our contracts that we've been wanting to fix figured out we need to have our websites updated so we are stretched so thin usually when projects are in full swing that there is absolutely like you have to be you know a, a super he he wrote to actually get to all of this in a given week you know because any other any i mean any firm actually that has maybe a whole team okay that's great but even those firms today will be whittled down to like two people maybe right the principal yeah. and another person because you really can't afford to keep the team on so yeah. yeah so i think taking this time to really figure out the systems um because when we, when this is over we're going to be I am predicting that we are going to be the busiest we have ever been in the last 15 years. Oh my god, I love this prediction and I and I hope it's true. And I think we should all say it out loud together right now and like put it into the universe yeah. so that it comes back to us. Um, yeah, and I think in a good way. I think we're going to be able to impact really have a positive valuable impact on people's lives uh, not just like oh let's make it pretty because i think the last recession which i was thinking about it i was like okay so what did interior designers do in the last recession how did they survive because there there were there were many that actually sprung up you know new firms that sprung up during that time and they were the you know the blogging uh, the bloggers really the design bloggers that were thriving because people were looking for diy approaches because everyone was broke right so they were like okay how do i pretty up this room put some wallpaper on paint make it look good you know fix it up on a budget and i think that's that's why a lot of this whole diy aspect the budget aspect really started to come on styling became a big deal blogging became a really huge you know aspect of design and suddenly took over the industry but i think this time around um there's going to be a focus on solving problems i love it i you know why i love it cuz i think i'm a really good problem solver yeah so same here i love that too are you capricorn by the way what's no, your star sign you're leo okay so anyway but because we have so many similarities capricorn 
I'm Capricorn, so that's why I feel like uh, some for some reason I thought we were very okay, so alive. Speaking of this, have you heard of wealth dynamics? No. I think you would like it. So I, I was saying how I did the three-day business course, which by the way, I have since like I'm now like I've joined and I'm actually gonna be on doing ongoing work. Um and it's yeah. like I think there's like five of us designers and we're going to be meeting and, and brainstorming and da, 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 whatever. But um, like I said, the philosophy that she's taking us through, it, it was incredible. I can't, I can't even talk. Like I can't even wrap my head around how incredible these three days were. It was yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 10 a.m. till five every day. Mm-hmm. And it was virtual learning. Wow. And it was incredible. Intense. Yeah. And then there was brainstorming. But part of it, like, is a lot of what you said, which is um, figuring out what is right for you. And again, just being in alignment with your yeah. strengths, the things you like doing. Uh, when do you want to work? And, and, and it all leading back to, and it was so funny because you said this, the way that I work is and that clients will work with you based on how you tell them they can yeah. work with you. So. Right. And, and a part of that is understanding yourself. And so she, she talked about wealth dynamics. So the website is wealthdynamics.com. And it is a, it's a, a quiz that you take mm-hmm. and you, you basically, it's, it is like, it's a paid quiz and you can only take it once. Um, and you're supposed to answer the questions. It's fairly quick within 30 seconds. Cause you don't want to over, over, um, overthink it. Exactly. Well, sorry, I'm just looking it up. And what it does is it determines what your, it's, it's basically determines what your strengths are. Mm -hmm. And the whole premise behind it is leaning into your strength and building businesses where those strengths are kind of what you build your businesses around. So for, okay. So I thought I knew what I, I took a guess. I was like, this is what I am. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Now, I think I took the test wrong in a sense and I'll, whatever, doesn't matter. Too much information. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. so basically you fill out the test and it tells you what your core thing is. And right. then it'll tell you like two secondary things. And it's, you're either the creator, the mechanic. Okay. So the creator, you can't help creating. They're good at creating profitable ideas. And it's all very business related. It's, it's how to create will. Uh-huh. Using what your core strengths are. Right. Um, and, uh, the mechanic are perfectionists. They like to improve things. Um, and it gives examples of like wealthy entrepreneurs and, and uh, creative people. Mm-hmm. The star is like they like to be on film. They rely on their personality. The supporter, they're great at networking. They have loads of energy. The deal maker, they're really good at building relationships and connections Mm-hmm. Um, they can react intuitively. The trader is someone who naturally hunts out bargains. The accumulator is incremental growth is key. Okay. I don't, I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, the Lord likes to control everything and that's kind of it. So it was, it was just very interesting because I filled it out and it freaking I did not anticipate what I got, but it makes a lot of sense. My number one is mechanic and I wasn't expecting that, which Right. I'm obsessed with improving my processes in my business, mm-hmm. but it really, I don't remember the point of was me kind of going into this, but it was, um, it was just 
the whole thing was about alignment and, you know, in your systems, for example, creating systems around making everything systematized, but making sure that all the decisions, oh, all the decisions you're making mm-hmm. are setting you up for success. Right. So if you go into a sales meeting, mm-hmm. you don't tell people you're good at project management if you, you hate project management because you think they want you to be good at project management. You, you create your business messaging around what you're good at and excited about. So it's impossible for you to fail kind of thing. Right. So yeah, for you, no, I think it's like good. the e-design thing is just not something that makes sense for you. Yeah. There was a reason why I actually brought this up based on what you just said, but I can't remember. But, um, but anyways, I think you should do the wealth management. I think you would find it very interesting. And I feel like it's up. Yeah. I think I'm going to try it. Yeah, definitely. Have you tried this test called the Myers-Briggs uh, personality test you have. Okay. So is it like that? You know what? I don't know if I've done the test, but I'm familiar with it. Okay. I'm obsessed with personality tests. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I enjoy them too, because I think it gives you a different perspective and explains a lot about your personality. Even sometimes, you know, when you're questioning it, but, um, so I actually worked with this really amazing business coach. Amazing. His name is, uh, Sean Lowe. Um, he writes, um, an article, uh, I think it's called uh, The Creativity Business. I have to, The Business of Creativity, I think that's what it's called, his blog. But his name is Sean Lowe. He he was working with some of these interior designers like Timothy Corrigan and uh, Vincent Wolf. Um, you know, pretty, pretty sort of um, established interior designers. And he really pushed me to think about why I do certain things a certain way. And he really pushed me to own my process. Um, And also, you know, not sort of just, I think I was in this funk a couple of years ago of just doing whatever the client asked and then not necessarily either being happy with the outcome or just even happy with the process. Like I literally was letting them sort of take the reins and I was following um, yeah. And he really made me, because as a personality, I'm not like that. Like, I like to control everything. <laughs> so, yeah. so when that was happening, it was really making me unhappy, you know, because I was like, okay, I can't, I'm not controlling any aspect of this, even though, you know, this is my design. This is the, this is the way we want to do the project management. And I think he really taught me how to get back control in ways, you know, in my contract, for instance, in the way I run meetings, in the way I choose clients um i have begun to choose clients that's that to me has been a big like you're you're basically saying like you say no when it's not right yeah because i think that i i owe it to them when it's not a good fit to be to to do that because i don't think that every designer is for every client for many reasons either personality or aesthetic or expectations or, you know, multitude of reasons. But I think that, um, uh, yeah, I think I've come to that conclusion that you have to sort of say no to certain people just so that they get the best out of this process. And so do you, right? It's a two-way street. And and I think that's what I think that I'm trying to sort of, um, you know, say in, in the podcast is that, we, some of us are lucky to have work and I know others are not. And that's why it's, it's hard to talk about it 
on many platforms you know there's a lot of people saying hey do you have work and i and i don't respond because i'm like there's no point making this person feel bad that you know i have work and you don't because tomorrow i won't and you will you know that's just how yeah. things go but um i feel like try not to as much as possible uh you know uh, compromise either on the process on the fees or on the type of client that you work well with even during these times i think take on what you can do it really well uh put in the extra time into that uh work on your processes uh but i i really don't think we we should compromise further than that i think that's very very important and uh, you know what this coach used to tell me is like if you're going to say yes to something that you're unsure about say yes to it on your own terms you know and what um, do you mean by or what did he mean by that he meant that if if uh, you want to if you're not sure if you want to do something make sure you do it for the reasons that make sense to you like if you're saying yes to something you should have five good reasons that you're saying yes to it rather than one yeah and if and if there is a reason you want to take it and if there's a reason that it doesn't fit perfectly but there are you know five good reasons that they it could fit that's that's one way to look at it right so i think you know i do think that design is going to emerge more important than ever uh we're going to have to design for a new world um i i think this is just a passing phase honestly um there there you know this this will come this will go uh, i don't think we have to rethink the way we do everything in our lives but i do think that um there will be a new found value in our services i love that so much that was me pouring a glass of wine because i want to cheers Ultra Lux Linens, the podcast sponsor. Jacqueline, Emily, the team of seamstresses who have supported the frontline workers and have been amazing to work with. I think that we should recap why you might want to work with Ultra Lux Linens. To start, they work with people all across Canada and the US. They also carry over 75 brands of fabric. 75 brands, peeps. I'm not convinced I even know 15 brands of fabric, which tells me I clearly need to be digging deeper when I'm visiting the showroom. They also carry wall coverings, rugs, hardware, sheets, towels, furniture, and yes, of course, there's the workroom. So if you're looking for a one-stop shop, visit ultraluxlinens.com or find them on Instagram at ultraluxlinens. Please be sure to tell them that I sent you. So yeah, I'm going to drink to that. maybe you should do even now what what i think you were saying too like uh what were you saying i oh this is what kind of prompted me and i never did uh bring it up i, I thought about this you were saying like focusing on like a lot of people right now have time you were saying the last time a recession hit i'm sorry i'm going way back right now yeah like no that's fine recession hit you were saying how blogging became really big and i think that's actually a very interesting insight because people have a lot of time on their hands right now and whether it's us or right. it's a potential end client right and i've just been by default creating a lot more content because i find it fun and i find it fulfilling to create videos and stuff and i think that there's that's probably a good way to fill our time as well you know yes improve processes 100% because i'm all about that jazz but uh mm-hmm. also 
figuring out ways to stay relevant and get in front of people. So long as, again, it does feel aligned and it feels good for you. It's not about doing it because you're supposed to do it. It's just doing it because it feels right and you're excited to do it kind of thing. Yeah, I think think you're right. I think that alignment, I think we underrate alignment a lot and we try to, there's a lot of sameness. I I, I keep saying this, but it, it just really, really, this is something I feel really strongly about. People are just taking one design concept from one designer, applying it to another designer. And not only is it um, not original, but it's also where, you know, clients are now beginning to ask for that. You know, there's actual, there's actual, what? It hurts my heart when a client's like, I just want... I really love the room yeah. you did or they show you and you're, you're, I'm like, I, if that's what you yeah. want. Yeah. Yeah. If there's no value in it, right? There's no value. There's no personality. You haven't brought in their personality into the space or your personality into the space. And I think that um, I, I feel this is a really good time to break away, really break away from this sea of sameness and figure out what it is that, that really makes you tick. And, and it's, a, it's going to be a risk. I, I have been taking such risks recently because I feel like I feel strongly about it. And all this while I've been sort of compromising and been like, no, I should just show them what they asked for. That's the safe way. I won't lose money. They'll be happy. But I'm not doing my due diligence if I keep doing that. If I have, a, if, if I have an idea that they never thought about, um, it's my job to show it to them. And and if it doesn't look like anything else out there, I feel like take that fucking risk and do it. Yeah, you like know? you just got your freaking money's worth is what you got. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, yeah. I feel, I'm so sorry. I feel like there's a real delay going on. Uh, so it's like, I feel like no. I keep talking over you, but I have this weird thing happening right now where me and you talking uh, is further validating something for me. And I just feel like the universe is really trying to tell me something. And this sounds super cheesy, but that course that I just did was very much hitting home how you got to figure out your differentiator and how it's important that we don't just, Oh, well, I think a designer is supposed to look like this or I, the websites I keep seeing look like this. You know, we're all guilty of that where you're like, well, I don't think a, a designer is supposed to wear a t-shirt or a this. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, like you're talking about, even in the designs, it's like, whether it's the process or, you know, we're being right. told that there's the 15 steps and those are the steps you're supposed to mm-hmm. do. Or, and, and that's just not true. And no. I feel like you and I talking is like in this other conversation that's hitting this home for me. And I think it's, I think it's a very valuable conversation to be having, which I think we kind of talked about it again on the last podcast, which was, there's not just one way to do something. And what you're talking about is just doing it differently, which you could be the trendsetter, number one. And it's going to make you stand out anyways. And plus, if you just do what's right for you, it's going to be easier to do it. You're going to be more confident. You can't fail. You, I mean, the thing is, you will fail. I will tell you that right up front. I have failed miserably on my last two presentations because I showed them something that was that was way out there but I you know I had to do it but 
Also, I would say too, like that it could be the delivery, maybe they're like not them not understanding. So, like I know, um, I got there was an example recently about somebody wanting a white kitchen, right? And into the you know understand a person and finding out like that person had uh, dealt with trauma, and that she ended up presenting him a green kitchen. It's not what he wanted, but she she was like this is going to help you feel more safe. Like whatever color psychology was there. She was yeah. able to kind of explain to him like why, even though you thought you wanted a white kitchen, I'm going to yeah. find out about you to figure out what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do also think, I don't know, but I don't consider that a fail necessarily though. No, but I think that, you know what, I think I really, really dug deep when that happened. And I was like, what am I trying to do here? And why am I trying to do it this way? And I think that, yes, there was a communication uh, gap maybe on me not being able to truly explain to them what the idea is and being in the same room. Like I said, I just can't do it this way. I can't do it on a screen. I can't explain to you. I can't walk around. I got to move my hands around. I got to point to that ceiling. I got to point to that window. I can't do any of that because I'm sitting in this freaking room on this, like, you know, five by seven screen and you literally see just that. But I think, um, I feel like, you know how we, in the past we've talked about fees and the reason why I did that is because I felt that every design professional was so stuck on that discussion. I want to move past that discussion. Yeah. Okay. Here's a formula. This is what you're going to charge as a baseline. That's just a baseline. If you think you're better than that, charge double. You have to charge your value. That's just a baseline to get you started, right? But really the discussion is how are you going to blow that client's mind How are you going to show them something that's not in a magazine, that's not on Pinterest, that's not, that's nowhere to be found except here, right? So that's what I'm working on personally is just trying to figure out, you know, why am I, you know, when I, when I look at a space, of course, the same Pinterest images are flashing through my head. I'm like, yeah, I could put that accent chair with that rattan back right over there and put like this wooden mantle which will give it you know and that's like why it's the same thing I saw it on five different images so that's what I'm coming up with on my first go go back to the drawing board think about it again and I just feel like we all should be setting trends this is the time to be setting trends on all fronts um I I mean not trends really but really evolving the design aesthetic to just to not be what has been done before I think I think I'm gonna say one thing that I think. I think that I don't know that we necessarily should be doing that. I think people who feel they want to be doing that should definitely be doing that. Yeah, I think if you feel like you want to explore your like I am stifled by my own aesthetic. I feel like I am doing that for myself. So I think that this time is yeah. So I yeah, you know, it just depends on where you are in your um career whether you you know you're a seasoned professional you know what the hell you're doing you've got that down you're like yeah I'm super confident this is who I am um because I don't think I'm there yet I have many years to go before I feel like you know if I ever one thing I was gonna say was like it sounds to me like not that I know you're not you did not oh did I screw this up yes I did yes I did I don't know what I've done here um 
this is just because it's very top of mind for me because like having just done some work on this, uh, it sounds to me like you want to work with clients who are very open to thinking outside the box and having unique, unique spaces and that you want to be able to figure out, which is something I've been saying a lot lately too. Like I'm trying to figure out because the, the problem with not the problem, but clients will, so I don't know if you've ever had this experience where a client is trying to give you the answer. And I'm just, I have to say, I just want you to tell me what your, what the problem for you is, mm-hmm. what you would hope to have, but I don't worry about figuring it out. I don't need you to tell me what it is. Like, just, I want you to tell me what you need to happen here functionally yeah. or aesthetically or a feeling. Um, but it sounds to me like you want to work with people who are willing to have something different and you're going to do the work to help them to figure out what they want so that you can show them something they never could have imagined on their own, which I try to take pride in, in that to some degree of Mm -hmm. when I lead with like, my goal is to the end result. You, you say the best thing I can hear is, Oh my God, I never would have thought to do this. And I love it. That's like a favorite. Yeah. I feel you should be really catering your messaging to that being what you do and hopefully figuring out how to get more people who are like super about that. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's what I'm trying to do now is to really uh, give insight into probably the way I think or the things that matter to me or what inspires me. Um, I'm very, I'm actually very shy. This is probably the first live video I've ever done. Um, So yeah, so it's 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 like one of those really weird moments because I I I don't as much as I want to say and you know show them uh, I guess speak my messaging I have a hard time doing it um, and I do it I think with potential clients when they reach out to me but at that stage you're not really reaching out to a bigger audience you're literally reaching out to people who are seeking you out so I think I'm figuring out ways on how that might change for me um, to really uh, be more proactive on that front. Um, But I think going back to what you said that the kind of clients that I want are the ones who are open. Yes, they need to be open because that's why they're hiring a designer. If they're not open, they should get a contractor and build it themselves because they're just wasting money. There's no value that we can bring to a project unless you let the designer really, really explore different ways of doing things. And um, yeah, so that's that's my first thought. And I think that just holds true for every client who hires an interior designer. Let, let, let us do our jobs because it's literally going to be different from what you ever imagined, you know, and give no. us the tools to do so. You know, I think giving us the tools, giving us the data, sharing moments or experiences that matter, talking about, you know, really letting us into your life, I think is going to be like, crucial in this process and that's the difficulty I'm having right now for instance because of this whole uh, situation is I'm having a hard time really getting to know people which I would normally you know when I visit somebody's home you get some sensibility of who they are when you know their interactions um, the way they move around their home the little things they point to and say yeah I love this or I love the way the light flows in from this window I like sitting here. And those are the moments that we're losing out on right now because we 
can't go into their homes. So that's my difficulty with the whole e-design aspect. I just can't wrap my head around it. So, so that's one thing. But I think that don't be afraid to fail because I feel like that is going to happen when you push people hard. That has to happen in order to get to the other side. Really, and um, I, I just, it's making me think too right now. Um, I've, I've, I've definitely felt that about e-design as well. Yeah. Like I, that's where I started because I truly, when I reflected at that time as to why I was like, I'm going to build an e-design business. It was because I didn't believe I, I could, I didn't believe that I could get people to pay me to, to do anything like on a bigger scale than that. Yeah. And, um, and when I realized that wasn't what I wanted, then things kind of started to click or whatever. But, uh, I don't, I, an aha I had late last week too, was that, cause sometimes I'll do like little small snippets of a project. And I think at the end of the day, it's like you said, Sometimes I don't have the luxury of saying no to some things. Like I will say no, even when I don't have the luxury, if all signs are pointing to this is a disaster. Yeah. But I was, if, if, you know, I, I need the, the work and I need the money and, you know, enough of the boxes are being ticked where I feel like I can accomplish this and, right. have a, and you know, outcome, whatever. Um, but I realized that for me and for how I feel good, I want to pro, I want to encourage anybody I'm talking to to invest their budget into finishing one room versus distributing it amongst more than one room where you basically just get a bunch of rooms with furniture because for an aha for me was like in my own experience and like what I feel like I'm seeing in my experiences is most people can furnish their own room whether they're doing a good job of it or not is a different story but a lot of people, myself included, mm-hmm. <laughs> mostly for money reasons or whatever, I don't take it to the finish line to a completion. And it's like, when you get to that one point, you know, when you're either renovating a house and you don't do the whole thing and then it just sits there like that for years. The aha for me was, I feel like that's probably going to happen to clients So I think that if I'm talking to a client, it's better for me to build a business where I take you from beginning to end because then you're getting the value in working for me as opposed to me helping you get from beginning to like M as opposed to A to Z. And now you live with a half finished room for God knows how long. So that was something that I felt for myself and what I want to, what I, how I want to approach it with clients going forward when talking about how, and when I have the luxury of being picky and choosy saying like, this is how I work. I do full rooms from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. I don't do happy rooms here and there where Mm -hmm. good luck with the styling and you have a half finished room. Cause I feel like you didn't get the value there. Yeah, I think, and I think you're right. I think that's the same issue I had um, because I've literally only been doing furniture for two years. I wasn't doing furniture prior to that. I was doing more renovations. And I felt that uh, when I first started doing furniture, you know, people would get, I started doing it hourly because I didn't know how much to charge uh, or how much a room would be, et cetera. But um, I soon realized that they got 
tired. Like, there was a fatigue that set it that set in at some point in the process, in the decision making process, in the expense, and um, they didn't either want to go through for various reasons, and it never got completed. And to me, that was a big no-no because I literally felt like I had not finished my work, I had not finished my job, and the you know just the integrity of it. Uh, I just felt that okay. That has, this has to change, and that's why I went to a fixed fee model, so that they know upfront how much they're gonna pay for the services, and once they sign up for it, we get to the finish line. There yes. isn't there isn't this because when you do hourly, I think it just dwindles, dwindles, dwindles. Sometimes you're like, oh, and then they they want a tweak here and a tweak there. Let's swap out this for that, and I just saw this, and suddenly either the design falls apart. Or it's not, or it's incomplete. Yeah. So I think that's so true. And I'm actually really, I'm going to start testing fixed fees. So when we had last talked, I was going to do square footage, but I was still going to just use it to estimate hours quickly. But I've decided to go to fixed fees and um, to stand behind them and to to basically go above and beyond and make sure that it, like, basically I'm just going to, again, this was an output of like a very intense three days. Yeah. Basically we, we don't. Okay. So this was something that she talked about. Again, it's a biographical design. Her name's Katie Gutierrez. She's a, it was incredible. I asked, okay, you do flat fees. Do you worry about how many revisions are made mm-hmm. and like whether those get out of control? Mm-hmm. And she said, no. And she goes, basically, this is freaking genius, by the way. I think it's genius. Mm-hmm. I, she's literally never had a problem, but she has a very robust early process that helps really get you there to the point where you need the approval. So she tries to iron it out early. So But she said, and I'm going to start implementing this, and I think it's so smart. She always, she talks about, you always say, the way that I work, the way that we work, the way that they work, the way that I'm going to start working is you do not move to the next phase until you don't move to purchasing and construction and this or that until you have approved everything and not a single thing is purchased. Like we can do revisions as much as you want. But that just means construction has to be delayed. uh, Purchasing has to be delayed. And it just means that your project's going to be pushed out that much further. So for them, the benefit to not seeing more, 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 more is knowing that the more they want to see, the longer it's going to take to get to the next Mm -hmm. phase, which I think is, and I have done that before where I'm like, you know what? Let's worry about that chair later. Maybe a chair is not a good yeah. example. Let's just get everything ordered, move on. Mm-hmm. And then this stupid chair is just like sitting there, like this freaking thing that just becomes this big, huge, like snowball of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really think it's a smart, a smart way to make them feel like they have, like, I don't need to be worried that I'm going to be, you know, I have revisions, but psychologically it's like, you know what? Great. But you know, we're not going to be moving on to the next phase. So until you we get to that approved of the, each of these items, uh, we don't move on to the next phase to purchase a single thing until every single item is approved kind of thing. But I'm right. going to test this and, and stand behind large, larger flat fees that 
and knowing that I have to make a certain amount in furniture. So, you know, and knowing that sometimes it's going to be a wash, but sometimes it's not. And I know I I'm just, and it's, you know, phasing it. Like we've talked about, I've just been really scared about really scared about like screwing myself with the numbers, but I think I know well enough now to know, like when I estimate my numbers and I'm just going to come up with a very easy strategy for it. But like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm interested in hearing about her robust process up front because I think that is the key to the whole fixed fee uh, package. I think the understanding what they will approve before you design. Yeah. I will say, um, yeah, I will talk to her about what because it is like a. a I don't want to give information. It's kind yeah, of yeah. Like no, no, no. I, I think I think you're totally fine not sharing it because I mean people have to sign up for her program. Totally. And and I don't think yeah. she's like that anyways. I'm also having her on my podcast, uh, hopefully next week. Um, we had to yeah. reschedule it. But I am going to talk to her about like what I can share and what I can't share. But she's not, I don't see her as a type of person that's like tight-lipped. But at the same time, I don't, I want to be building the proper relationship with her um, and not burning any bridges. But I will say, I mean, I've become an affiliate and I'm not, I, I will say, I would never... I've come across many coaching programs in the last year that I've talked to designers and I have, I have not been at a point where I've been an affiliate when I could have. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the experience with her in three days, like I've never, I, it it was incredible. That's great. Her system is like nothing I've ever seen. Her thinking is like nothing I've ever seen. And I know it's because she has worked very intensely with big name like coaches herself and it's a lot of like relaying a lot of what she it's just it was it was really really amazing and I really can't wait to share with her on like the podcast when but what you should do I suggest going to their website uh checking out like what they how they talk about their system biographical design is basically it and it's not that she's saying that anybody should be doing that by the way what she's just saying is like this is how we work Mm -hmm. and this is why but what right. I'm here to do is help you figure out how you work right? and what aligns for you and makes sense for you. But how she worked was, I mean, it was, it was similar ish to some of the things I did, but she just at another level, it was just. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely true is that I think, um, you know, how we were, you were talking about this in the beginning is that the alignment, uh, I think your contract has to be aligned with the, the way you like to work. Because I feel like we take another contract that's floating around on the web and we adapt it and we make it our own and we're like, yeah, okay, this will work. But then, you know, and then you struggle with it and you don't even realize you're struggling with it client after client because there's some aspect of it that doesn't work. Like, I don't know, like, for example, for me, I hate doing revisions. I hate it. Yeah. And and that's why my contract is designed in a way in which once I get to know you, I'm going to give you one design. One. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to swap out maybe like 25% of that for smaller like smaller items that may or may not work but if the, the entire design doesn't work that means we just we don't we haven't understood each other. And yeah. that that goes back to fit. You Absolutely. Know? And so, also like I know for me in my early experience this is not always the case. I think I I know now now 
how to try to identify somebody who's overly particular because there are some people, no matter what, are always just never going to be able, you're never going to be able to please them. Right. And it's more like a personality trait than it is. And it's yeah. whether or not you're excited and fine to work with those types or not. And I am not. So early on, and actually it's a point that I turned around. It was probably one of my, it was probably my first big project. I went to presentation and I shit the bed. I totally shit the bed. I came home. I thought it went fine enough, but then I got a long email when I got home. Cause sometimes clients aren't courageous enough to tell you what they really feel in person, but I yeah. thought it went, I didn't think it was like amazing, but I thought it went fine. I thought it went well. And then I got home and it was an email just about, they were disappointed. It didn't feel like I really understood who they were. And I was like, that was definitely me. Like I did not do the work to figure out what they wanted. So that's when I started to like change my process to not have that again happen. But also I realized they are not hard to please. They're quite lovely. As long as I, once I understood what they wanted and I right. made sure to get it, I just didn't do that. But, but what I do now in the consultation is showing for me, in my experience, this works really well. When you're talking about stuff, showing them stuff on the internet or on Pinterest and, and seeing how they respond. People who get excited, almost like everything I show them, that's a person that I want to work with. Yeah. Somebody who basically hates every single thing you show them, that's a red flag to me. And in, in my experience, that's so a red flag. So is that before you, so that is that your first, first meeting with them? That's my consultation. So basically it's like, we're, and I'm actually rethinking how to approach my consultation, but it's, it's when I'm, it's, it's the paid consultation at this point when I was doing that. So it's the first time you're meeting them ever, right? That's the first time you're going to their home. Yeah. How would you know the images that you've picked for that session? So if you're images like picked, it's, it's kind of like, what, for me, this is how, what happens when I'm going through a home. I'll be like, oh my God, you know what I can picture here is like a, around me or a banquet. You know what? I feel like this corner, you need a banquet. And the reason why a banquet's really helpful here is because you don't have the width to have a floating dining table. Clients are like, what is a banquet? Some people have no idea what that is. Okay, hold on. Google, 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 Pinterest. Okay, so this isn't exactly the look I'm talking about, but this is what a banquet is. And it, and basically it's like, okay, we're talking about the space. I have an idea. You know what? You don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to go show you what I mean because I feel like I'm not doing a good job. So and But now I make myself do that as part of the process because seeing that I'm kind of aligned yeah. and we're just, that's good. If you hate every single thing that's happened here, then I know I need to price you higher maybe, or I need to rethink whether we're a good fit. Like, and it's not to say I should be able to nail it, but if every single thing, like, and you should, they shouldn't like everything potentially, but if they do, that's great. Or, or they get excited. Like, that's my favorite. It was like, oh my God, I love it so much. Yes. Yeah. And that's happening. I'm like, okay, you're my people. Whereas I've had clients where, I don't know if you've had this, you start giving ideas. They go, you know what? No, I tried that. No, this, no, that tried that. And it's just no to everything. I don't yeah. like that. You're kind of like, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm in that place right now, actually. I, I have a client right now, but I'm having that. And um, I've said, I, I actually initiated the conversation to say, you know, um, I, I don't think I've understood your aesthetic. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm not getting it. So something, and we did a lot of steps before we got there. There was a Pinterest board um, by them. There was a questionnaire that I put in uh, where they answer a bunch of questions and they tell me about themselves. Um, I did a whole schematic design concept where there were two directions we could have gone based on the architecture and culturally where they come from. And they chose one over the other. Um, but that then when we did the presentation for the actual furniture, they just didn't like it. Um, and then realizing that, I mean, then it sort of evolved into the client telling me that, oh yeah, the images I pinned were not really things I liked. I just pinned them because, and I was like, oh. So there was like, you know, there was a little bit of a disconnect. And I think it has to do with this communication style of Zoom. Because I think yeah. the kind of people who, had I been sitting in a room with them, had I, you know, had we been able to talk face to face or uh, just uh, more personally, I think we would have hit some other aspects of who they are better. I think that's that's the big gap here because all this imagery online, I think clients see things in images differently than we do, very differently. They focus yeah, on one aspect. Think... Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that clients, which I'm really strongly starting to think about creating a flat fee. And part of that includes a 3D rendering mm -hmm. and outsourcing it. Because I think I think that clients struggle with, they look at individual pieces on their yeah. own and they either feel like every single thing in the room they have to absolutely adore. But it's like, I, I think part of like, I'm thinking about this now, like maybe it's about sitting down and helping them understand like early on in the process that I'm going to be showing you furniture and I'm going to try to remind you that everything works together. I've, I've made this kind of analogy before where to me, it's like the furniture and the rug and the art, they're all like, individual strokes on a painting right. like one stroke on a painting is kind of like meh whatever but then you add this other stroke and then you add another stroke and then another stroke and then all of a sudden you know that one stroke on its own was kind of like whatever but all of the strokes yeah. that came together created this beautiful piece and if you were to sit down I you know, and look at your, the perfect room that you love in your magazine that you've pinned. Let's sit down and dissect it. I'm willing to bet that you love the room as a whole, but if we start to look at individual pieces, you might just start to find things like, oh, I don't know if I would have loved that rug on its own, but it's yeah. everything that came together, which it I think is a together. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think, think that's what they struggle with is... yeah. I'm showing you this. Okay, well, I mean, I guess the rug's fine. Yeah. But I think they need help to see it all together, you know? I agree. And I think the, I think the 3D rendering, um, you know, presented with everything in it is, is the way to go. Because I think, you know, people have a hard time with scale. People have a hard time with, you know, size, the length, the height. 
the the volume of something like how high like in our heads it all works together really well and you know i have to remind myself about this all the time because we do this for a living we just see things immediately right we are visual people we can stand in a room and with nothing in it we can visualize all the pieces that we just selected sitting in that space perfectly in harmony working really well looking absolutely beautiful but i don't think a client has that same visual capability and um but now we do have the tools to actually do that so i think that's a great idea to include that as part of your package uh but yeah i think i think it's you know it's interesting i think um this new way of working i mean kudos to people who can thrive in it and can figure people out on on a on a video chat but i need so much more than that i don't know i don't know whether this is going to be boom or bust for me on that front because i feel like you know i just I just can't. I mean, I can't do it. It's so funny because I feel the same way. And and I don't know if part of this is like the idea of if your thoughts become reality. And I know for me, when I'm talking to e-designers, like I've had a number of e-designers who like I think are very focused on e-design on a couple of podcasts very recently. Yeah. And I keep going like, okay, but like aren't you worried that when you present the room and the furniture that they're just going to like not like certain things and they're going to want changes because the difference too with e-design is there's not as robust and early like research phase of getting to know them because kind of like the idea well not all e-design but e-design for the sake of affordability you right. know you don't you don't put in 4 hours of getting to know you time right so it's just funny because i think at the end of the day it goes back to if it's in alignment for you, you don't feel the need to get to know a client that well. Maybe you really strive or you really are good at being able to quickly design for people and giving them that value versus like, I feel like I need to tick every box of what I need to know about you. I need to know the exact fabric color, the paint color on the wall. I need to see the paint color on the wall before I commit to that. I feel wildly uncomfortable saying classic gray is the color for you without being there and then also knowing every bit of furniture that's in your home right now. Right. But some exactly. people are fine with it. And I think it's like, for me, I have this thing where I'm like, I, I just feel like I need to know more. Therefore, like I do need to know more to do it. I think it depends on the level, right? It depends on how many hours you're investing in the project. I think it depends on how much money and time you're investing. So on the client's end, and on your end and i think that e design i think people are pricing it for affordability which i get um but it doesn't allow you the the opportunity to really spend too much time on certain things you just can't you can't you can't afford it on and both ends right yeah and that's how i know myself enough to know that i really struggle with in imperfection is not the right word like my perfectionistic tendencies and actually it's it's one of the things that defines mechanic is that things take you longer because of how much you're a perfectionist right. so you know that about myself enough to know that i am not going to feel good delivering something even if i do it in the time allotted i'm going to not feel like it's good enough so i'm going to deliver that with a level of insecurity that does not feel good for me. 
even if it's probably really good technically, like in theory to the client, but it doesn't feel good for me. So it just does not, that doesn't work for me, but I will do an e-design if, if it's more like a distance design and it's not about affordability, it's more about the clients maybe unable to work with me because they don't, they want to work with me or it's a weird time. They're still going to, they still respect the process that I need to take, which is early in depth. This, it takes the time it takes. This isn't about just affordability kind of thing. So that's yeah, kind I of like, I think distance design is definitely different from e-design. I think, uh, I mean, I don't know. There's different models for everybody. I think um, each personality as a designer has the ability to do things differently, like you just said. So I think that works. But I haven't pivoted for that reason because I know it doesn't fit my business um, yeah. you know, profile. It doesn't fit my personality. Um, that's not something I can achieve a, a good result through. I'm struggling with that myself. So I think I'm going to stick to where I am right now and hope for the best. Um, and and see where that goes, really, you know, um, from business development perspective. I love that. And I feel like an output of this conversation is maybe it's a really good time for all of us. I mean, you've obviously already been doing it. I've started doing it. It's like wiping away, wipe away what you're doing and sit down yeah. and think about if I had the perfect business, what how would I do it? Because you don't have to do anything a certain way. You can do it your yeah. way. And there are just going to be people like people who don't want to be hands-on and want nothing to do with it. You can be their designer. If that's, if you work with, like to work with people who aren't super involved or like just sitting down and going like, what would my business look like if it was exactly what I wanted it to be? And yeah. then, make it happen. I it's agree. Like the best one to do in that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you have nothing to lose. Zero fear. We're in a, sh we're in a, we're in a shithole. <laughs> I see, you know, the way that things are going, we're like, oh my God, this, you know, the whole industry, who knows what's going to happen. So just do what makes you happy. Do what is going to like help you wake up in the morning and go to work and feel excited about because I think doing it your way is the only way. Yes. Yes. And, and I think I also want to say that I said it before business coaches are amazing, but we have to be careful. Nobody should be saying that you should be doing it this way. No. If somebody's saying that, like, that's not okay. We, we all need to know that there is yeah. not one way to do something. We need to find the right way for us. It's a creative business. I mean, it's a creative business through and through, from process yeah. through to uh, installation. It's a it's a whole creative business. So, you know, the thing about interior design, uh, unlike architecture, is that we don't have to stick within these, you know, set mandates and you know, set boxes that we have to check. We have the ability and the flexibility to do things differently, and I. I feel like it takes a while. I mean, it took me a while to get here, um, considering that I've been doing this for so long, where I said, you know what? Why am I using a contract that doesn't actually talk about things the way I want to do it? 
like you know just because this is what has been used in the industry somebody passed it down to me from some other firm and i ended up using it but it doesn't work for me and so just yeah. redefining that redefining and the and the beauty of a good business coach is that they figure it out for you what works We're for you, you yeah, yeah help you figure it out help you really dig deep into like what is my personality type am i you know a perfectionist am i more sort of like um i can i, I can let go and let the other person you know drive the bu- the bus for a bit uh, what is it that i want to do because i think there are certain personalities that will work well for each of us right um so i think showcasing your product in that way will will draw them to you Absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, sometimes we convince ourselves we like certain ways of doing a project. Like, it's like, oh no, but I'm okay with doing it that way. But it's like, okay, but yeah, you're good. You're okay with doing it that way. But like, let's pretend that every single project could be the exact thing that you would want. Is that what you want? And if it is that you want it to be sometimes this and sometimes this and that's true the core of you true then fine but just it's like making sure that the story you're telling yourself is like the truth right. as opposed to like what you have accepted yeah and i think this is this is just a i think it's an outcome of um it's just an outcome of us being so you know bombarded with the same stuff over and over again this is the way so and so does it so let's do it that way this is what they design okay that's a great idea let me copy that and put that into my project in some form or way or you know because that's been awarded or somebody really loved that so there's that chair there's that lamp oh yeah that's really trending right now let me use that too so i think that there is too much of that too much i think you know we have to go back to like 10 15 20 years ago where we didn't use the internet as much and we didn't have access to everybody's work and you know um everyone's house looked different everyone's house looked different everyone's house yeah. didn't look like it came out of a catalog from some store yeah. that's trending you know um and and i just feel like also you know like these the, the naming that we've done like oh this is bobo chic this is uh, eclectic this is uh, blah 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 scandinavian uh, this is uh, you know and i think we use those terms loosely to to understand concepts but i think that a person in a home doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other i think yeah i agree wholeheartedly yeah you know so i think when we bucket them into that one bucket you know it's like what are we doing why are we restricting our creativity into this bucket of okay now you're in that mid century bucket so you stay right there because that chair that's gustavian it's not by eames or you know uh, hans wegner that's that's uh, a gustavian chair so it doesn't work for you because it it didn't fit into that bucket you know so i think i think that's like anyway so that's pretty much sort of the the way that i'm starting to really think about things and people but you know i i'm really interested in developing a method of on getting to know clients that's that's what i'm stuck right now because i think that that's the key to a successful design and a unique design is to figure these people out figure out who they are 
you know? Yeah. And, and I think that is what is going to help our process because I think that we don't have the opportunity to get to know them very well. You know, we're just, yeah. Hitting, yeah, we're trying stuff and we're like, okay, let's see what sticks. Yeah. Um, and that was a big focus of our talk in the last, in that course. And, and as an output of that, I've been feeling the same way. Yeah. And for me, it was also like, we'll wrap up soon because we've been going a while and I know you have kids and I want to be respectful of everybody's time, but, um, but, uh, it's, um, for me too, it was how to infuse more of my personality into that process Mm -hmm. where I'm just like a fun loving person by nature. And I really felt like my personality wasn't reflected in my process. Isn't Mm -hmm. reflected it is and it isn't, and I'm I'm basically striving to change that and yeah. turn that around and using that humor as a way to keep clients engaged and help them open up with me and dig deep on like how to get to know them and which was another reason I felt aligned with like the, the stuff that she taught because I felt like I was starting to get there, but she's like shown me how it could be done even better and yeah it's almost like I was given permission which I shouldn't have needed but it gave me kind of the permission that we all don't have to look the same and you know have like a wear a certain outfit or have a certain um vibe on the website to to be a successful thriving business but this is me like reflecting on myself as an example no I agree yeah fun yeah and energetic and it can be reflected in my process but stay beautiful and results and it's still going to attract the right type of client that I can be profitable with yeah I agree (laughs) no I think you know the other day I was invited into this minority group um, of designers Um, some were Asian some were black some were Hispanic Um, and Everyone, there was, I mean, they were younger also, I think, and they were so um, nervous. They were nervous because they thought being a minority in this world of um, interior design and construction, especially in North America, um, you know, where you're literally standing in a room, you could be the only, I could be the only Indian person standing in a room often, right, at an event. Like there will not be another Indian person in that room. And there was this palpable energy in that uh, group where I, where they were like, how do you feel about that? And I just felt that, um, I mean, this is one thing I shared with them because I just said to them, if I'm the only Indian person, I don't have to compete with anybody else. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think trying to carve out a little niche is really important. And think, since things are slow, spend time thinking yeah. about what that is. Yeah. You know what? Frick, man. I don't know why. I feel like I always have these conversations at times that are so pivotal. And yeah. what you're saying, this this conversation has just validated more the truth of that. And, you know, I was doubting some stuff that I was posting on my social media And I'm still not totally sure that it's the right thing to do, but I'm like, this is freaking fun. This is a very, very 
clear indication of my personality and my humor, but also right. wrapped up in well-designed and produced stuff. And yeah. it's not what anybody else is doing. And the people who get it and find it funny and are into it are the people I should be working with. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the, and the, the thing. It's like, just be you yeah. and do what, yeah. and it's going to bring what you need. To yeah, you. just be you. Don't try to be anybody else. Yeah, just be you, keep doing, and don't, try not to be afraid of like putting yourself out there, I think. And, you know, it doesn't have to get personal, but I think on a creative level, try to do what you think works for you. I think this, you know, trying to fit into this box of like, oh, my Instagram page looks like so-and-so's page or so-and-so is doing it. Yeah. Studio Mickey is doing it this way. So that's what I think I, that's what I think works. So let me follow that model. Or Amber Interiors is so popular because of this aesthetic. Let me try to follow that. And I feel like that's where we're all getting stuck. And like, I, and I just, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this particular slowdown is going to bring out and an insane amount of creativity. Oh my God, I feel it so yeah. hard already. Yeah. So and, true. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, it's like exactly what you said. It's like, just start doing it. Cause at the end of the day, like sure, social media lasts forever, but half the time what I posted three days ago, nobody freaking remembers or gives a shit about anymore anyway. <laughs> so yeah. like, just start doing stuff and see what sticks. Yeah. So I don't mind. What's that? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I'm going to remind everybody uh, that you were on my podcast twice before, episode 62, episode mm-hmm. 72, both of which we were talking about pricing. So I want to make sure that if anybody's listening to this, that they know that they can listen. They, those were like, they were incredible podcast episodes. I feel like that was a really wonderful way for us to end this. So tell everybody, remind everybody where they can follow you. And maybe we can start seeing some of your like, you know, some of your musings in, you know, where you start to try to. Yeah, do I would love that. Um, so my Instagram handle is ID8 Design Studio. That's ID and the number eight. Um, so, yeah, that's my Instagram handle. Um, I also have a Facebook group called The Design Business where I share a few snippets here and there. If you want more information on just the back end of the business. Um, and yeah, that's that's it. Um, I have to share a funny story with you. I this year I'm committed to using QuickBooks in all of its <laughs> robustness. Yeah. So I started putting my invoices in there, which you're probably like, "What? You weren't doing invoices in there? Not invoices, expenses." So that's been revolutionary. But not only that, I didn't know that QuickBooks, the app, tracked your mileage that yeah. you could categorize. And I don't even know how it did it because I didn't even know I was signed into QuickBooks because I had paid for an app that does that called Mile IQ, which now I don't need. I paid like 78 bucks for the year for that. Yeah. Realizing that after I logged into QuickBooks, I was like mileage. I clicked on it and it had tracked all of my driving or walking um, since the yeah. beginning of the year. And I'm confused because I don't. I don't even understand when or how it started doing that. And I'm like, oh my God, it's amazing. So I'm getting my shit together and I'm going to do my other thing. I got a lot of shit on my list of things to do. I want to learn a (laughs) T-sheet and start using T-sheets as well. But anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you because I don't know. Yeah, QuickBooks is amazing if you use it 
Yeah. It's so amazing. And yeah. I am loving it so hard so far. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. I get yeah. excited about cookbooks. That's where we're at right now. It's because well, I'm the mechanic. You're the mechanic. Exactly. So that works for you. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to take that test actually today. Oh See where I, I end up. Tell me which ones you are, okay? Please promise okay. me you're going to tell me which ones I'll you are. I'll tell you, yeah, for sure. Remember. I'll tell you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Bye, lady. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you so much, Sasha, for chatting. I always love chatting with her. Uh, I hope that you've all, I have to assume any of you over the last three months have had a lot of time to think and reflect and uh, hopefully you were able to resonate with some of this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. Uh, if you're feeling compelled to leave a review, that would be amazing. If you've gotten any value over uh, with any of the episodes that I think we're at like 86 now, I would love for you to leave a review. It really helps other people find the podcast. It helps me be able to find new um, amazing guests and the last thing I wanted to say was, you know, after uh, the last episode I, I posted was about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, and I want to remind everybody that it's important that we keep doing the work to learn. I just listened to the 1619 podcast. I highly recommend it. I have to assume more episodes are coming out. I, f I kind of was left wanting more, and I hope there's more coming uh, I've started watching 13th and honestly, I've just started following a lot of Instagram profiles where I am seeing a lot that I'm just embarrassed to say I didn't know was still happening and um, I, I absolutely want to do better and it starts with this podcast and um, I've started a list of black designers that I would love to chat with and I want to do a call for anybody who knows an amazing black designer who might want to be on the podcast. Um, I want to make sure that I am representing much more diversity and the same holds true for my artist spotlight on my on my blog which I've just stopped posting until I have um, a black artist that um, I mean, I might just post uh, and feature one on my own, but I've reached out to a bunch of uh, artists, black artists that I would love to feature. And um, it includes like, you know, answering some questions and whatnot. But um, I also don't need them to answer. I could just feature them anyway, which I'm probably going to end up doing. But I urge you to to go to my Facebook page, my Instagram. I've shared a bunch of wildly talented black artists that um, I've reached out to one of them actually and I'm probably going to buy a print and hopefully it's going to be signed um, and I really I'm actually going to give her a shout out on the pod right now uh, her she's an illustrator and a photographer possibly even more than that but um, I'm just going to make sure I get I'm just going to go double check and make sure I say her name right Dion Ivory um, her Instagram is I think it's just at Dion D at D-E-U-N-I-V-O-R-Y um, oh her photography is so beautiful there's like a moodiness and a graininess to them uh incredible stuff the learning has not stopped for me um and I hope that I urge anybody listening you know to 
have not let the Blackout Tuesday just be like a blip on the radar or on your feed and to continue to to elevate, um, you know, black artists, black designers, uh, and educate yourself and, and make sure that the work doesn't stop. Anyways, that's all I've got for now. I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.